good morning and uh, happy new year to you all. I'm going to ask that you turn with me to the gospel according to John chapter 14. As you're turning there, uh, the saints at Bristol send their uh, hellos and we do pray for you. We trust you pray for us. Uh, We're going through a little challenge this year, uh, already started at the end of last year, in that we're uh, lost one deacon out of three, and another deacon standing up today, I understand, and announcing that he is leaving as well. Not leaving the chapel, but leaving the deaconship. So we're going to, uh, he'll stay on until other deacons uh, come forth. So that will be a, a challenge for the young men or older men that will come forth. So pray for us as we pray for you. John chapter 14. I'm going to start in verse 1, uh, reading through 6, and then swing over to verse uh, 21, because the, con- the, the message will be from 21 on. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Where I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Go to verse 21. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which thou hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever have said, I have said unto you. Peace I leave unto you. Peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let's ask God to bless the reading of his word. Father, we come before you and we thank you for the privilege of reading your word, touching your word, seeing your word, hearing your word. But Father, without allowing it to enter our hearts, there's no change. We'd ask for a change, Father, somehow, some way, that you would show us the words of life, that you would bring forth a challenge to us and help us and show us and direct our pathways 
But we ask for your help this morning. We ask that you put this person aside and the Holy Spirit have his freedom. So we lift it up asking you your help and guidance in the name of the most precious one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we'll start off with an introduction. Then we'll go to uh, verse 21 through 26, which is really the title, the words of life. The end be the practical or the obedience on the practical side of the message. But I always bring a story, and it's always difficult, well, not always, but it's difficult a lot of times to find a story that matches what you're going to be talking about. And what we're going to actually be talking about is loving God, for he loves us. So let me tell you about, uh, it actually comes from, from a scripture, basically Matthew 5 and verse 16, where it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. He was a young man named Steve. Steve was in high school, but he was under a special education program because he had a broken intellect. And what he did was he wanted to be accepted by other people. So in school time, what the other school students did was they would ask Steve a question. And the question was, are you the Incredible Hulk? And Steve, wanting to be accepted, would then start roaring and running down the corridor and flexing whatever muscles he may have had. After a while, this young man named Michael Powers had enough of this and said to uh, the students, leave him alone, knock it off, because it's just not right. Well, you see, Steve thought they were laughing with him, didn't realizing they were laughing at him. And so after that particular day, Steve realized that Mike was somewhat different and that Steve started hanging around and staying close to Mike. And as that would happen, it finally asked the question, Mike, why are you different from the other students? And this opened the door for the salvation message. And so Mike told him about John 3.16, God's love to him. God went to the cross at Calvary and died for him. He then went and explained that he was buried and that he rose the third day. And then he went on and said, if you wanted to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, all you have to do is say a prayer. And Mike said the prayer. Steve couldn't, I mean, Steve said the prayer. And Mike couldn't understand why. if he even understood what he just said, because he couldn't understand things in school. So Steve, Mike asked Steve, where is Jesus today? And Steve, after the prayer, pointed to his heart and he says, he's right here. And he understood the things of great truth, of eternity's doctrine, and yet he couldn't understand things in school. What Steve did next shocked Mike. He grabbed the Bible, held it to his chest, 
and laid on the couch and cried for about five to ten minutes, just tears flowing, but silently crying. And you could see the tears from his eyes. A week later, uh, Steve showed up with Mike and explained to him something. What he explained was this, that when he was five years old, his dad left him, left him and his mom to handle it. And when he was on the porch, when, when Steve was on the porch, his dad turned to him and said, I cannot stay here any longer with you because I can't handle you. And he left. And for so many years as being in the high school, he was looking for acceptance and a father's love. What he had received that day on the couch, crying the way he did, he has now received the father's love. And he could go on with life. That's the story of Steve and Mike. But we have a story also. And the story comes down to one of the most memorized verses in Scripture. And that is in verse 6 of John 14 where it says that I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. And if you look at the Scriptures, you will see that's a summary verse. It's, not, it's a well-known and memorized verse, but it's only a summary But the way to Jesus Christ, you will find, is in verses 8 through 14. And it's not only that you go to Jesus Christ, but if you study it enough, you will see that it's what Jesus did, we should be doing for it. It says that he is the example in John 13. And so we follow the steps of Jesus Christ. Or should follow the steps of Jesus Christ. But then he says he's the truth. And when you look at what is the truth, you will see that's from verse 15 through 20. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as often, but I will give you the comforter. I will give you the spirit of truth. You ever stop and think why he gave us the spirit of truth, the ones who believe in him? You see, Satan, in all his lousy work, has gone and spread lies about Jesus Christ. And so the spirit of truth not only gives us the truth and the doctrine of of what to live by, but it destroys the lies that Satan has left us, and he's good, as we heard this morning. He's very subtle. He's been in the business for a long time. So, beloved, as we look at these scriptures and we see that he is the way and he is the truth, now look at the words of life. We see in verse 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. You ever stop and look for a father's love? When I was growing up, at 11 years old, my dad left us. He was an alcoholic, and, and I saw things that probably an 11-year-old should not see. 
you can say all this now because my dad's in heaven. We, we got back together after 30 years of me hating him, of looking for a father's love, not having it. When you see that and when you see scriptures like that, what is it that God is looking for from each and every one of us? Jesus previously said, In verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. There's a repeat here. It's a stress that God is emphasizing something that he's looking for, he delights in, and he's looking for us to love him back. And one way to show the love of God is through the obedience to the scriptures that are before us. He also brought up the spirit of truth, because if we don't let the Holy Spirit control us, work in us, then we will have a very difficult time, if not able, to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. But you're going to find out as we talk that obedience is only 10% of holiness. And our relationship is 90% of holiness. Again, Jesus talks about loving him, loving the Father. If we love him, we love the Father, for they are one. We must know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You stop and look at all the people that have been damaged by storms. Puerto Rico's being hit now, or is under reconstruction also. And you stop and you look at all of that, and how do you stay loving God that has allowed all this to happen? How can they be people that are full of joy and peace when, when they've lost everything? And it really comes down to a relationship with God. God knows exactly where they are. And God will send help to help them through all of this. We covered that last time I was here at the Red Sea Rules. We must study his words to know what he likes and dislikes so that we can bless God. But he blesses us every day of our life. We must be obedient to his words, which then again expresses the love that we have towards him. But I'll tell you this, beloved, we cannot know him, study him, or be even be obedient unless we have the spirit of truth and allow him control. Remember, he is not a guest in our house. He owns the house. He bought us with the price on Calvary by way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus looks forward to an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. True love to Jesus will will produce obedience. It will produce it. But then he says, if you love me, you should be loved by my Father. And so again, that shows the connection, the unity that Jesus Christ, the Father, and the Spirit of Truth, which is the Holy Ghost, are the same person. If you study their attributes, they're the same person all the way through. He says, I will love him and manifest myself to him. Well, how? And then you've got to love this guy, Judas. Now, Judas is not Iscariot. Judas is is uh, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, different father. 
He's the person who wrote the epistle of Jude. Uh, he's also known as Labaius or Thaddeus. And he is, again, the half-brother of our Lord. But you notice what happened. He starts off and he says in verse 22, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself to us and not to the world? But he starts off with the word Lord. Now that's a big deal. Why is that a big deal? It's because when you get down to it, you will see that back in John chapter 7, he and his brothers would encourage Jesus to go to Jerusalem for the Passover, knowing he would be killed. But what a switch, where he says, Lord, and he's accepted. Beloved, do you call him Savior? Do you call him Lord? Is he part of your life? Is he, are you intimate with him? In verse 20 says again, if, you, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him and will come close unto him and make our abode with him. He's not only just going to stop in for a visit, he's going to make our abode with him. He's giving a promise. However, the promise carries a condition. The condition is loving him. The promise is the Father and Son abiding in us. But what, who was already there was the Spirit of Truth. Jesus, for the third time, draws the connection or the unity between love and obedience. But again, you will see that obedience is 10% of holiness and relationship is 90%. And we will come and make our abode with him. We'll see that uh, love promotes and encourages obedience. And when you're disobedient, and we all are, all it takes is a repentance and a confession and we're back on track. Guilt, he is removed with sin. It starts receiving the spirit of truth, uh, his control, the spirit of truth, and leading our life, guiding us, draws us closer to God. I've heard a lot of people say last year, I want to draw closer to God. And then you stop and you say, well, why aren't you doing it? And you're going to see that it, it takes something. Matter of fact, yesterday, there was a, uh, an area elders workers uh, meeting. And Scott DeGroff came from Freedom, California. And he gave a message that was moving and touching. I want to take a moment because I, I had to go home and revamp my message. And I had to bring this in because of the love that we should be showing the Father through obedience. Again, it's only that 10%. And I'm going to bring you the three points that he, he brought out. I want you to turn with me, please, but keep your finger in John 15, uh, 14, because we're coming back. But we, we go into 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And you will see that he gave out three particular points. Talked to Greg this morning, and uh, I was waiting to see if he was going to say anything about it. And he held back, um, not knowing that I was even going to talk on this. So I, I thank Greg for holding back, but he could have done it too. 
It's not in verse 11, O Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged, and ye are straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak unto you, my children, be ye also enlarged. Be not equally yoked together with unbelievers, but for fellowship and righteousness, but what, yeah, let's start again. But with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and with communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with the infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols, for ye are the temple of the living God, and hath said, I will dwell in them and, and walk with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and ye separate unto the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and in spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, in the reverence of God. King James is sometimes a difficult thing to do. Scott made three points. And the first point he made was that only restriction of our affection from God, from us to him, is what hinders that is us and us only. God loved us to the end, the utmost, it says in John chapter 13 and verse 1. He can't love us any more than what he is already loving us, and he can't love us any less. This is the God of love. He chose you. He chose me. And what his desire is for us to love him, but the only thing that hinders that is you and me. And so what must I do not to be hindered anymore? The second point he made was we have to make choices. Choices, I love what he said. He said his choice was, one of his choices was this. He loved his bed. And what he meant by that was he loved to sleep. And he would get six to eight hours. I would love to get six to eight hours. I get like four. But make a choice. Get up earlier. Spend time with God. Start your day. You see, we are called, it said in, in the last verse of chapter 6 of Second Corinthians, for perfect holiness. And we see that we are called to that perfect holiness, but 90% of that perfect holiness, that maturing to holiness, is relationships, relational. And the other 10% is moral. If you, if you go down and you see the scriptures in verses 14 through 17, you will see that the unrighteous, not, righteous would not with the unrighteous. Light, not with darkness. I will be your people. You will, I will be your God. You will be my people. And he goes on in these verses and he talks about the relationship. If we stop and we look back in John chapter 13, he says, a new commandment I give unto you, 
that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people shall know that you're my disciples. It's the love of God. That's the words of life that we have before us. And then he gives the promises, the third point he made. Again, let me go back to that second point. Holiness is a love relationship with Christ. The overflow of that relationship flows into the moral relationship of holiness. And that moral is the obedience that God wants us to do. It's not a book of regulations and rules. The Bible is a love story. A love story to bring us to the Lord Jesus Christ, to give us an eternity of happiness with him, to worship him, to praise him, to thank him, to adore him. And just think about the love that he has displayed for us because he sent his son. So the third point he made was separation from those things. Unrighteousness with righteousness. Separation. Darkness from light. Those type of things. We see that that separation deals with intimacy. The intimacy of loving God. Abiding with Christ. God's promises then will be realized. And what did he say in his promises? And the Father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness and flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, Again, fear of God. I've had a lot of conversation with Christians. We are not to be afraid of God. That word fear deals with the reverence to God. We honor him. We glorify him. And so that was the message yesterday. And I thought, how well does that fit into the words of life? When Jesus is leaving his disciples and he's putting everything he can in a few chapters, five chapters, in the upper room ministry to let the saints know, this is what I expect from you because I'm going to leave you. But I'm not going to leave you as often as I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to bring forth a remembrance and to help you through life. But he said over and over again, If you love me, keep my commandments. Going back to the Gospel according to John, chapter 14, verse 23. Again, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And we see here that he's laying out, uh, we will come unto him. That's the first part of a promise. The first part of a promise, we will pardon or forgive in all sins. No guilt, but a peace of conscience. The joy of the Holy Spirit. The Father will show himself as our Father. And if you haven't had a Father for, for a lot of years, this touches home for people. We will be his children. And, he, and not only his children, but his friends. 
The sun will manifest himself and you'll see a perfect unity. And it deals with the love and the intimacy that we should be having with God. We're under a brand new year. Under the brand new year, I just thought, you know, John chapter 20 and verse 20 should be our year's verse, 2020. They were glad when they saw the Lord. Will you see the Lord this year? Will he manifest himself spiritually to you? Or will you all leave this earth and see him face to face? You never know what comes before us throughout the year. He said back in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me early shall find me. That's an intimacy. That's a promise. That's the love we have with God. And those, again, beloved, are the words of life that he is laying out before his disciples before he leaves. By the way, these disciples will become the apostles as you lay it all before him. We'll make our abode with him. And then if you stop and think of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, and know ye not that your body is the temple of God? And if he's there, be intimate with him. Show him the love by the relationship you have, he has with you, you with him, and stay obedient to the words of God. What's our responsibility in all of this? Do you ever stop and think, what's the responsibility that God has laid before us? Well, the first thing we should be doing is studying God's word to discover what he likes and what he dislikes. Second thing is to show our love by gladly and humbly seeking to please God by doing what he likes. It's not only just reading his word, but taking his word in our heart and putting it into action. Abstaining from what he dislikes. That's that separation. That's part of the holiness Separate yourself from the world. Separate yourself unto the love of God and to service his people. A lot of people only use two. I use three. To love is to serve him too and to serve his people. Number four would be we will experience a deeper relationship, a deeper fellowship with our Lord when we do these things. Number five is we will remember God's love is unconditional. We're still going to mess up. We'll still sin. But that doesn't stop or even one iota lower his love towards us. And there's nothing we can do to increase his love to us. He loves us to the utmost. Six, devote our attention and obedience to God's commandments. For they are the way to practical enjoyment. You'll actually become joyful by being obedient to him. I stop and I look at the people that have lost everything. And if they contain the love of God, knowing that God has it and all in control, They can still be peace. As you heard this morning, there's joy in their hearts. 
And there's joy in the hearts that go out and serve them. There's joy in the hearts that go and people who pray for them because they know that God's doing a mighty work. Matter of fact, in, in Ephesians uh, three fourteen through 21, it says uh, a prayer that really we should be praying and understanding. But it goes down in verse Ephesians 3, and I'm just going to read uh, 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that he might that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Do you see an underlying theme in all the scriptures that are before us? We're into that new year. Are we going to draw closer? Some people make resolutions. Some people don't. Some people make them and they're gone the second day. But beloved, may this never go. May the challenge of loving God, staying obedient, developing and increasing your relationship be strong with God today and tomorrow and from there on. In verse 24 of the Gospel of John, 14, he that loveth me and keepeth not my sayings and the word which thou, thou hear is not mine but the Father which sent me. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And that's the negative piece of that because a lot of people say they're Christians. And if you watch their lifestyle, they actually damage Christianity. What kind of people are we? Are we stepping forth and showing that God deserves the love that we should give him? For he, he paid it all so that we could do that, to love him, to understand him. He says, the things I've spoken are not my words. They come from the Father. And so what has Jesus Christ been doing all the way from the very beginning when he showed up in John chapter 1? No man has seen God at any time. He declared him. He wants us closer to the Father. Are we closer to the Father? I went to Nantucket one time uh, because it's not my area. Uh, we took a boat over and stopped at Nantucket. I went in, Phyllis and I went into a little shop, and there was a little basket like about that big. And I picked it up, and I'm thinking, and then I looked at the price tag, and it was $500. And I'm thinking, why am I picking this up? Put it down before you break it, because you're not going to be spending $500 in this little basket. But when you examine that basket, you couldn't find a seam. You couldn't find a flaw. Is that how you say it here? Flaw, flaw. There was no markings on it. And I'm thinking, that's the love of God. With the love for you and for me. It's so well knit together. The only thing that breaks that love is us. The only thing that puts a mark on that love is us. And then we repent, confess, and you look back at that little basket, and there's no mark. He paid it all. He paid the guilt. 
verse 24 says, These things I have spoken to being yet present with you. You know what's happening in 24 hours with Jesus? He's going to the cross of Calvary. He's going to go to a judge, a judge uh, before a judgment trial. He's done nothing wrong. And they're going to find guilt in him. Or they're going to try to find it. And they'll bring false witnesses. The liar will show up. They'll nail him to the cross of Calvary. But I stop and I look and I ponder on this. I'm thinking, 24 hours, and he knows the time. And yet, he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about the ones he's going to leave. And he shows the love. And he says things like, in verse 27, Peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. As I go through life, as you go through life and times of difficulties and trials and tribulations are coming up, how do you handle it? What will you do? Will you look at the circumstances and then look at God? Or will you look at God through and then see the circumstances? I look at Phyllis's mother. She's, she was 91 January 5th. Cancer is now spreading through her body. And I look at her and, and she prays. She loves the Lord. And I'm thinking, we've asked her, do you have any pain? No. Discomfort? Oh yeah, good discomfort. If you talk about it, she has discomfort. If you don't talk about it, she has no discomfort. But she has the joy of the Lord. This year may be her last year. And you stop and you say, well, what will you do? Will you be upset because you've lost the mom, a mother-in-law? Or will you be glad that she'll be in God's perfect hands in the gates of heaven? Do you have compassion for the lost? How you know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is that's one of the Five basic things of being filled with the Holy Spirit. They have a compassion for the lost. Because they're going to a place for eternity. They don't understand the depth of what they're going into. We have assurance. We have promises. But beloved, it really comes down to this again. If you love me, keep my commandments. As you draw closer to God in 2020, as you spend time and open up and follow the scriptures to please Him, the overflow of that relationship goes down towards obedience morally because there's things that are out there in this world today that are immoral. And yet the government has said it's okay. It's not okay. And so we pray for that. But let me give you a practical steps of obedience. The practical steps of obedience, uh, as you see, I didn't follow my notes at all. 
Philip says, don't say that. I'm looking for Billy Graham's statement, and I don't find it here. Anyways, he was for obedience. Oh, here it is. Only by a life of obedience, this is Billy Graham, only by a life of obedience to the voice of the Spirit, by a daily denying of self, by a full dedication to Christ, and by constant fellowship with him, are we enabled to live a godly life and an influential life in this present ungodly world. That's a, you know, wonder how long it took him to write that. I mean, to stop and think of a man that, that loved God the way he loved God, the way Billy Sunday loved God, the compassion they had for the lost, the compassion they had for God himself. And say things, and I'll say it again, only by a love of, a life of obedience to the voice of the Spirit, by a daily denying of self, by full dedication to Christ, and by constant fellowship with Him, are we enabled to live a godly life and an influential life in the presence of this ungodly world. So let me give you just two steps. That's all you have to do is two steps. These are so simple. Somebody once said to me, you know, being a Christian is not easy. And I'm thinking, why? Why isn't it easy? Because you're not spending that intimate time with God. But I'll be honest with you, it can be tough at certain times. Step one. This is Todd's obedience. Is to commit ourselves to obeying God. Commit it. If you do resolutions, commit yourself to be obedient to God. Joshua 24, 14 and 15, and I'll just do a one-liner out of that. For me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I love that. And you know what all of Israel did after that? They said, we're with you, God. I mean, we're with you, Joshua. And then you turn the page, and there's the book of Judges. It's one of the most, well, it can be a depressing book because everybody's turned away from God. You know, being obedient, committing ourselves includes a consciousness to obey, which leads us to submitting to the principles of obedience, which it goes back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. And you know that probably by heart. I beseech you, beloved by the mercies of God, that you present yourself to be a living sacrifice. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is that good and acceptable and reasonable, some people put service, some people put worship, which is the same word. And so, beloved, number one step is commit. Commit your love to God, that relationship, that intimacy with God. That's not that hard, is it? Just committing yourself. The second step. Now, this is even easier. I'm being facetious. Discipline. Discipline is the second step because obedience is progressive. Obedience leads to growth. And it's a learning process. That's that sanctification where we become holy people. 
because we have to take step by step. Obedience, again, leads to growth. Hebrews 5 and 8, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. I don't know the depth of that, but that was Jesus Christ. As we mature in Christ in the knowledge of his word, God looks for an ever-deepening obedience. As we understand new demands, we must respond. As we respond, God may reveal deeper levels of truth, deeper levels of his will for our lives. And so I'll leave you with this, and we'll close in prayer as this. But Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. 90% is relationship. 10% is moral. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open scriptures, to see and be challenged, we trust, and encouraged, we trust, by your words. Father, we pray for Brantford Bible Chapel. We pray for those who are here, fellowshipping, visiting. May you bless them according to the riches of your grace. Open up their hearts and minds. Help us to see the love of a father. Help us to live a life that would please you in all things. But we need the Holy Spirit to guide, control us, and to lead us through. Again, we ask for your blessings on the saints here. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.